You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're starting a new series uh, called our ABCD, uh, B and Make, the ABCs and the D, which is discipleship, uh, of what does this look like? What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And what does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? And why would we care enough to talk about that? Well, that just fits directly into our mission and vision of why we exist as a church, why we were founded in 2007, and why we still continue with that same vision. Um, so we want to kind of flip the coin of like, well, how does this happen? And it's almost as simple I wish it was, it is this simple, but for some reason it's, it's living it out is the hard part. You know, God grabbed his people out of Egypt. That was the salvation. He says, come, come out of Egypt, come and follow and come to, come to where uh, Moses is leading them, right? And you're coming out of Egypt and follow me. And then he says, live with me, live with me. I will show you how to live And when you see how you're supposed to live, you will become a kingdom of priests. You will be set apart. Other people would see how they're intended to live and live with uh, integrity and honesty and convictions and passions and caring for other people. And if we live the way that God has designed us to live, no one goes without what they need. And so it's almost, it's as simple as that, but now it's the how, like, how do we do that? What does that look like today in today's world, in today's church? And so we're going to go over this for the next four weeks. This first week, we're going to talk about accept. We're talking about when you accept God and you choose to follow him and you choose to abide and live live within him and understanding those things, what happens and what does it lead you to share with others? Uh, Next week, we'll talk about belonging and then contributing and then what does it really mean to be a disciple? Do you know that it's always good if you kind of are on the path towards town being a disciple before you try and make disciples? Like, it's good for you to be one because how are you going to be one without or make one without being one? And we're all at different levels in our discipleship walk and our relationship with Jesus. Some of us have been around for a long time and we're doing great and things are going great and we have great fruit of folks that we have discipled and that God has led to us and things are going great. And some of us have been around for a long time and we know lots of information, lots of stuff about the Bible and we know lots of information and stuff and we would you know, look at our fruit and be like, oh, well, I'm very knowledgeable about the fruit, but I don't have any. And so it's not about how long you've been a Christian. We're all on the journey. Pastor is on a journey of learning about what it looks like to be and make disciples. Now, I was really good at making disciples when I was younger, before I knew the Lord, of the wrong things. As you can tell, I'm a little bit charismatic. Um, I like, I mean, my old saying, and I don't say this anymore, I was here for a good time, not for a long time. I almost fulfilled that. Um, but I used, that's kind of how I live my life. I'm here for a good time, but not for a long time. Woo! Let's do something fun. You're like, sounds cool. Like, let's do a charismatic guy. Let's follow him. And, um, you know, I was not that great to follow early on. And so now I'm in the process of learning, like, and I ask myself that question, am I worthy of being, of following? What does it look like in my life? And go through and kind of judge myself on different things and want to be, continue to be on this journey of learning what it looks like to follow and be made by Jesus. I start thinking about a father's love when I think about what does it mean to follow? What is, it, what, is our, what is our father in heaven like? And this is one of my most favorite stories 
to share with you guys. And this is what I think being a father is like. This is what I think that this is how I think God feels about you. Listen to this story. In 1989, uh, Armenian earthquake needed only four minutes to flatten the nation and kill 30,000 people. And Max Lucado recounts this true story in one of his books of what happened after this horrific earthquake. Moments after the deadly tremor ceased, a father raced to an elementary school to save his son. When he arrived, he saw that the building had been leveled. And looking at the massive stones and rubble, he remembered a promise that he had made to his son. No matter what happens, I will always be there for you. And driven by his own promise, he found the area closest to his son's room and began to pull back rocks. And when other parents arrived, they began crying and sobbing for their children. They said things like this, it's too late. They told the man, you know they are already dead. You can't help them. And they cried and they sobbed. And even a police officer encouraged him to give this task up. But the father refused. For eight hours, then 16 hours, and then 32 hours. And after 38 hours of his hands moving rock by rock, cement by piece of cement, debris by debris, 38 hours of not not eating, not having food, just being sold out to what his commitment was to his child, like God is here. His hands are cut up and bleeding and wrecked, and he's still moving rocks. And after 38 hours of moving rocks, I don't know if I could do anything for 38 hours, much less move debris barehanded. After 38 hours, he hears this voice. And he called the boy by name, Armin, Armin. And the voice answered to him, Dad, it's me. And the boy added these priceless words. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you'd save me. And when you saved me, they would be saved too. Because you promised that no matter what, you would always be there for you. There are 14 of us left down here. Out of the 33 of us, there's 14. We're scared and we're hungry and we're thirsty, thirsty, but we're thankful that you are here. Man, when the building collapsed, it made this wedge like a triangle and it saved us. And as you can imagine, the father, with this great joy, he says, well, come on out. And his son says, no, dad, let the other kids come out first because I know you'll get me no matter what. I know you'll be there for me. Can you imagine a father who cares for each and every one of you just like that? And that story has always just moved my heart. But when you look at the text and you look at the story of what your father in heaven has done to come and seek you, to find you, to want you, It's pretty amazing. That's a devoted father. We all accept and are devoted to certain things in our life. 
Acceptance can create this great devotion, and sometimes you just accept things in life, and just, that's just the way it is. But let me ask you this. What can you identify that you are devoted to? Where do you find your extra going to? Your extra time. Your extra money. What are you thinking about the most? Like, I want you to think about that right now because what are you thinking about the most? Where does your extra go? Your extra resources? Are you, are you thinking about like today's football stuff or yesterday's football stuff and how many, what their stats were and are, what, where does your extra go? So why don't you look to your neighbor and maybe it's the first thing that pops in your mind. Tell them, what are you, I'm devoted to this. I'll give you an example. I'll, you'll be my neighbor. Last summer, Carrie and I were devoted to landscaping. We spent our evenings landscaping. We spent our weekends landscaping. We had bloody hands and we spent our money landscaping. We were devoted to finishing this task of landscaping, which never happened all the way, but whatever. This summer, we were less devoted to landscaping. But that, if you were to ask me that this time last year, that's what I would say. We were devoted. That's something I was devoted to. It doesn't have to always be spiritual. Like, Josh, I, okay, I'm just devoted to being on my knees and praying and reading God's scripture for you guys 24-7. That's a lie. But like, that'd be pretty cool for a pastor to say, right? Um, but like, what does it look like? So look to your neighbor. Say, I'm devoted to what? This. So when you think about this idea of devotion and what you're passionate about and where your extra goes, your extra time, your extra resources, all those things, the things that you have accepted in your life, I want you to think about what happened when you accepted the reality of who Jesus is. And some of you may have not accepted that. You may have been drugged to church, and I am so excited to talk to you about that later. Or maybe you have this past acceptance. It's something that happened way back when. Or you're, you're, you're here because your parents made you be here. You're here because it's just kind of your club that you go to. And it's kind of what you do. But when you think about the time, like when you accepted Jesus, if you have, and you accepted what he did, what changed for you? It should change something, right? Like it demands change. Who he is and what he did, like it almost demands change. I notice some things about myself when I think back to accepting Jesus. My priorities changed. I was pretty mouthy about it. I was easily t- to talk to somebody about it. It was so new. And fr- Do you remember, anybody been around a fired up, like brand new Christian? And you were just unhinged. Like, I wish that I could, I got to go back and get some of that sometimes. And maybe as we're making disciples and we're around other fired up new Christians, because we're actually making disciples, we still get some more of that on us. And they can't, you can't help but talk about it. It's more important than whatever show is going on. It's more important than football. It's more important than the economy or than who's president or not president. It's more important than all that stuff. It's like the first thing you want to talk about is how Jesus is changing your life. And so one of the things I wanted people to know is I wanted people to experience the freedom from sin like I did. 
I wanted people to experience the freedom of forgiveness like I did. I was like, man, are all these, are all these people carrying around as much baggage as I was carrying around? That's so much. They need to meet Jesus. They need to accept him. They need to change and have this in their life because their life is going to be 10 times. They're going to, they're going to like float when they walk. And so things started to change for me. I wanted to learn more about Jesus and follow his ways. And I'm still on that journey. You know, the idea of volunteering changed for me. It changed from being a volunteer to serving. And serving became a way of life. It was almost a new drug I was addicted to. It's serving God's people. Was so honoring and was so rewarding. It's almost like he designed it that way. And it's not just something that I did to help out. It became who I was and what I still try and call myself today. As a servant of the God most high. So if we accepted Jesus as Lord and as Savior, wouldn't it be important to know what Jesus was about? Because that could give a little window into life about maybe what we should be about. Or when he says, come and follow me, in Matthew 4.19, does he mean just kind of observe and take some notes and cheer him on and watch him play and do miracles? Go get him, Jesus. Or is there more? If we're called to make disciples, shouldn't we be one as well? How many people love a good hypocrite? You just love somebody that, like, you know, hey, do, do what I say, don't do what I do. Nobody loves a good hypocrite. Nobody wants to be called a hypocrite. I think it makes a lot of sense to know what path as a Christian it would be to be, it'd be important to know what to be devoted to and what Christ was devoted to. So what is God devoted to? God is devoted to connecting people to him or to, to, to him and to, to one another. I want you to continue to build your relationship with God. You talk to him, you walk with him, you, you hear him, you have conversations like it's personal, it's part of your life. And when it becomes part of your life, he encourages you and you read his word that you need to connect to one another. How about this? John 3.16, you probably haven't heard this one before, 3.16 to 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does God want for you? He wants you to have eternal life. Beyond our, our error here, beyond what we're doing here, something eternal, and he wishes that for his children. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't, send it in, like, he, didn't, he didn't do the Sermon on the Mount for you to feel guilty about the things that convicted you on the Sermon on the Mount when we preached that. He did it for your good to help you change, to move, to, to move towards a better path, towards his path. So he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God is interested in you having eternal life. And he's interested in saving the world, saving this creation. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. 
So not only is God seeking you, not only is he moving all the rubble and all the rocks and looking for you for hours and years and and since creation, and he's doing all these things to find you, and he'll never forsake you, he'll never give up on you. He sent his one and only son to this earth to show us what it looks like to live and to, 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 to live the way he would want us to live. So what's God about? He's about offering you and others eternal life. He's about offering no, no condemnation. But you have to accept it. It's not forced upon you. How many people were forced to be a Christian? Here. Well, I had to. My parents made me. No, it's a choice that, that you get to make for, from the Father who is seeking you. John, or Luke 19.10, Jesus uh, said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man is to the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He's talking about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was lost. He was a tax collector. He little, little Zacchaeus was lost. And God saw him and he comes to seek and save the lost. You and the people that you know are super lost. So what's God about? He's about seeking the lost. So, so far, he's about connecting you to him and to one another. He's about uh, seeking the lost. He's about eternal life. He's about uh, uh, saving people from their, their sins and all the things that they're dragging around. He doesn't want you to live that life. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God's about learning how to accept and accept love from him, loving him back and loving others. So when we get to this idea of like, okay, I'm, what does it look like to accept this A part of the ABCDs? What does it look like to accept as we move forward and we continue on in our walks and to be devoted? Maybe we should be devoted to the same things that Jesus is devoted to. Maybe the first thing that, that, that should have came out of my mouth is like, I'm completely devoted to Jesus. That's what my mission is. That's what, that's what I'm focused on. And I am a lot of the time. But is that the first thing? Is that what you guys all said to each other as soon as you looked at each other? Like, I'm devoted to Jesus. That's where I spend my extra. That's not the first thing I said either. Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And that's introducing them to God, to, introducing them to a God who is seeking them and wants to have eternal life with them. Our mission is creating biblical disciples through relational environments, following the way of Jesus and how he did it. And our process, uh, our discipleship process to become disciples, uh, talks about that's accepting Jesus. And there's some things that happen when we accept, we uh, follow, we abide, and then we start to share things with our life. And then we'll talk about belonging to, a, to, what does it look like to belong? What does it look like to contribute? And what does it look like to actually be a disciple? How do I know if I'm one? How do I know where I'm at in the journey? So are we devoted to sharing Christ with others? How many people talked about who Jesus was to somebody this week? Good, good. Maybe like, yeah, 13, 14 of us, right? 
Good. But is that something that you're devoted to? Is that something on your mind? Do you think about that when you're praying tonight about your week coming up? Or you're like, Lord, would you please introduce me to someone this week that I could recognize that I could share my story with? It doesn't have to be about having all the perfect theology. It doesn't have to be about having every perfect verse memorized, right? But about sharing what Jesus had done in your life, how he's changed you, how you found the freedom, and that maybe you would introduce them to a community. Maybe you would invite them to your life group. Maybe you invite them to the new groups this week. Maybe you could change lives. I was talking to a gal this week. I came through, uh, was coming through by uh, La Petite, and uh, she stopped me, and she was like, Pastor, which I still find it weird when people call me Pastor. I'm still working on it, because I don't always see myself in that light, but I'm working on it. She's Pastor, and I was like, yes, that's me. She's like, I want to tell you how much freedom I'm finding in Christ. I want to tell you about like that I'm so grateful that we offered the boundaries class and the safe people class and she's gone through three or four classes at restoration night and it's changed her life and her troubles are not gone. She's still wrestling with lots of stuff. But her life is being changed because she's engaging with community. And that's all we harp on it. Don't let church just be a sermon you saw on Sunday. Let it be about a community. Let it be about connection with God's people. So we share what we're most devoted to, Acts 4.20. As for us, we can't, so this is the apostles, Paul and uh, Peter and Paul, I believe, they were getting beaten down. They're like, you need to shut up, said the Pharisees. Stop talking about this Jesus. And they said, hey, as for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What have you seen and heard in your own life? Where have you been healed? Acts 1.8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you accept Jesus, you also you will receive the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And God has a plan for that. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We're not in Jerusalem. In all of Judea. We're not in all of Judea. And in Samaria, we're not there either. And to the ends of the earth, oh, cool. We're there. That's us. And what are we going to witness to? I know it seems like a tricky word, but what are you going to witness to? Your great memorization of the text? Like, we should be doing that, right? We're working towards that. But what are we going to witness to? Well, let me tell you, I was a giant. I was this, and now I'm this. And my life is completely different because of my being introduced and accepting Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How are we following the example of Christ? Am I worth following? You know, the more influence you have, the more others are following you. You know, you probably have more influence than you think. People are watching. But when you're convicted enough, like the blind guy who was healed by Jesus, he wasn't getting lost in all the details and all the shuffle. The Pharisees were accusing him and saying like, hey, you know, who did this? Who did this? Who did this? He's like, I already told you who did this. And they're like, well, he's a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, they're talking about Jesus. He said, I don't know. Here's one thing I do know. I was blind, 
My whole life, I was blind, and now I see. And I don't know about you guys, but there is quite a few areas in my life I was pretty blind to. And now I see. Now that I see, do, I, do you want other people to see? Or do you want to keep it a secret? So, what if I'm not there yet? How do I change to become devoted to something new or something different? How do I move from, from the casual acceptance to like accept it, it's rooted in my heart, and I want to spend my extra here or some of my extra here? Be open to changing your heart about something or someone. Heart change happens through new and different experiences. Get in a life group. Try that. Heart change happens by being around others with passion or influence. Find super passionate Christians and be around them. When I, was, when I first came here, uh, my mentors, Marty and uh, uh, Aaron Couch, were super passionate about the text in context. They were super passionate about Israel and Turkey and doing those things. And guess what happened to me by hanging out with them? I became pretty passionate about it. I started learning about it. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. And I started just un, un, like opening up these things in my mind that I didn't have any idea of. So who are you around? Who are you engaging with? Heart change happens by connecting to God regularly. So I'm going to challenge you guys to this. Next step for this next week. First, get in a group. If you're not in a group, you're going to get tired of hearing us say that. But you will not be discipled here. You will not be able to live the life that God intended you to do it by yourself or just to come to a Sunday service once in a while. It's not going to be enough. It is not enough. Who is someone you, uh, you know who doesn't yet, yet know Jesus? Who is someone you know that doesn't yet know Jesus? And can you be devoted yourself? Can you devote yourself to praying for them? For them? Inviting them to your group. Inviting them to something where they'll be around other Christians where they can see a new way. Sharing Jesus with them if, if you're bold enough. Because he's worth it. We're going to watch a video right after communion. And we're going to see how that process played out in somebody's life and why their life is different. But before we do that, I want to take us to communion. So if you missed it, if you almost walked into those tables, but you missed it, there's tables right there that have communion on them on both ends. And we get the privilege of celebrating communion every week. Jesus died on the cross so we could accept him. He died on the cross so we could come to him and be cleansed. So we could come to him, so we could not have condemnation. Whoever believe in him will not have con- in him will not have condemnation. But it starts with an acceptance, and then it starts after you accept it, accept who Jesus is. You start learning how to follow him. I just didn't jump into to awesome uh, pastorhood uh, the day after I accepted Jesus. I had a long road, and that's being being a kingdom of priests is the goal. Being a pastor is not the goal. All of us have people that we're going to run into. And we should all have be set apart and look different and be excited to talk about who Jesus is in your life and how he's changing you and how he's transforming you and what he did. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body. 
this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you remember him? Let's remember him. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new uh, covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You say something. You proclaim it. It is coming out of how you live. It's because you accepted it. There's something different in your life because you proclaim the Lord's death. Let's proclaim it. Father, I just thank you for this time. I ask that, uh, that you would just uh, soften our hearts. That we just didn't want to accept you one time and just move on to it and move on to other things in life. That, that we want to be devoted to you. And so, Father, as we watch this, uh, this video of Draven and what God's doing in his life, uh, let it speak to us. Open our hearts to you through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.